0: everyone's incredibly creative and that they shouldn't be intimidated to try any of these things because it's just a matter of picking stuff up and you know and playing with it welcome to make and decorate a podcast for
1: makers who love to sew quilt and decorate Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Make and Decorate podcast. This is episode 52 and originally published on May 28th, 2020. I am Stephanie and I welcome everyone to the podcast. If you're new, welcome. And if you're back, welcome back. All right, this is a long episode, I know. But there is a lot of information to absorb and I do think that you will completely enjoy it and when you listen to it, it will be just like one of those really good movies that are two hours long and you're like, oh, it didn't even feel like that. All right, so enjoy. So happy Memorial Day to everyone and uh, how, how was your kickoff to summer in pandemic times? It, it's very different. It's, it's so bizarre, um, because everything is just taken day by day, uh, everywhere and with everything. So, um, it's kind of, uh, it, it just is weird all the time. <laughs> um, but you just try to make the best of it and be as normal as possible that you can. So, uh, Memorial Day weekend here was like, Just like what I said before, we jump from like winter, uh, directly into steamy, hot summer, and that is what happened. And it has been like 90 degrees the past like four days. It is insane. Oh, that heat. Some people love it, they just thrive and love the 90 degrees, but not me. So, since the last time I have, uh, published an episode that was what on the 14th. Um, I had still not been away from home (laughs) for uh, about 60 days in a row. And I finally ventured out outside the house into public on Saturday, the 16th. So Um, cause I had to go get my flowers. I had to get my plants and they, um, had just opened the garden centers in our area. So, um, my husband and I went and, um, of course you wear your masks, but, uh, I, I, I talked a little bit about this, um, on my Patreon bonus episode. I had a bout of anxiety right before I was getting ready to leave. However, it was such a beautiful day. And the garden center is outdoor. So, um, but we were all wearing our masks. There were only a few people that, um, were not wearing masks, which I was wondering why. Um, but because you're still kind of together in a shopping center and you're doing your best to, uh, maintain a safe six foot distance. Um, but sometimes, I mean, it's just not always possible. Like for instance, if you have to pass or cross a path with someone, you know? So anyway, uh, yeah, so it was really strange, but I was really shocked to see how many people were out there. So people are, people are out and about, they are, they're doing stuff and living their lives, um, despite this, uh, pandemic. Um, and, uh, Places have started to um lessen their restrictions and now this is a whole big conundrum. Um so our our state is a bit more um I guess conservative on that and uh our restaurants uh in Chicago have not opened yet. It's still just takeout and pickup, curbside pickup. Um so I think they're going to try to open those maybe in mid-June or so, but we'll see. We shall see. So (laughs) on Memorial Day weekend, so I got my flowers, what, on the 16th and um, it had been like just rainy and crappy throughout the following week. And this past weekend, you know, it sort of got nice, nice to the point of, you know, being too, too hot, but um, I was able to get out there. I had to get out there in the morning because if you're out there in the afternoon, it was just sweltering. It was just too much to garden in. So it took me four days to get this all done. In fact, I'm recording this on Tuesday, the 26th, and, um, I have just finished putting, planting everything on my deck. And, um, like i'm pleased how everything looks i did a couple of new things and um you know we definitely have cut back on the amount of flowers that um i normally get just because we just (laughs) we need to be on a stricter budget right now uh so i ordered in um what January, February, I ordered from Baker Creek seeds, uh, some flower seeds, and um, I got a whole bunch of different poppy seeds. I love poppy flowers, they're just so happy. And these flowers, you can just, um, you don't have to start them ahead of time indoors. So you can just um, direct sow them into into the containers or the ground or wherever you want them to be. And some of them will sprout in about five days and others will take about two to three weeks. So I'm interested to see if those will actually work. Uh, I kind of, I sprinkled them in some of the pots where I had kind of like a main um flower or main plant and um around the perimeter I kind of sprinkled I had these really pretty it's called a russian blue poppy it's like a purple and then I had the california mix of poppies and those are all the real pretty orange and yellow poppies and then the um the red poppy so um I will take photos. I'm, I'm gonna see how, how that works and if they actually, uh, will grow. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing the past four days. There's one gardening tip that I want to share with you. Uh, this is in reference to container gardening. And, uh, I had mentioned a few episodes ago that, um, this thing that I've been doing for years since I saw it, uh, Martha Stewart had done it on one of her shows way back in like the early 2000s, late 90s. And she would always put rocks at the bottom of the containers to promote drainage. Well, I learned in an online class on Great Courses Plus that, uh, that you're not supposed to do that. And really to promote drainage is to one, use a self watering, uh, container. And that's just those type of containers that have like a little raised platform on the bottom and it creates a little reservoir to hold extra water uh, so that it doesn't um, uh, rot the roots by being too wet. But the second thing is uh, she said to put a coffee filter on the bottom of the pot uh, and this will filter the water through. But we'll keep the dirt, the soil in the pot because, you know, a lot of times you can lose some some dirt and soil through those holes and um, they could get clogged with the soil and dirt. So that was pretty brilliant. Uh, so I, uh, I I did that. I put. Um, Some I did not have coffee filters, (laughs) uh, but I did have this tea paper, tea bag paper uh, that I had gotten um, for foundation paper piecing. And it's kind of like the same thing as a coffee filter, what it's made out of. So I I cut from that and put them at the bottom of these pots. So I'm looking forward to nicely uh, drained uh, containers. So sewing and quilting, still no quilting right now, but uh still doing some sewing, mask making of course, and uh but I also um did make a gift for my little niece uh who just turned four on the 21st, and I made that Omi my pattern of the knit overall shorts. Um, so they're all done. And I also, uh, decided to make her a matching, uh, headband because, uh, she likes hair accessories. So I got that done. But I want to tell you that. Okay. So first of all, my main serger slash it's a combination, um, cover stitch machine that needs to go in for service. Uh, so I've had it like, you know, um, packed up. And, uh, just, uh, haven't gotten it over there yet, but, uh, I have a, I guess what is now my backup serger and, uh, it's, uh, wow. You know, you do get used to things (laughs) to having features when you have them. Uh, so, uh, it's, it, I just had to like get used to this other machine again. And by the end of the project, I was like, Oh, this is good. I kind of like figured out a little, you learn these little idiosyncrasies with uh, whatever machine you have and you have to work out the kinks and the details. So, um, I had a little bit of troubleshooting with that, but, um, the surging, um, was, um, pretty good on that machine. And um, it did the job and I had to actually go back and forth between the serger to the sewing machine. And at the sewing machine, I had to go back and forth from a double needle to a single needle. Uh, That was in the instructions. So I'm just going to give you a a review of this pattern. It was not extremely complicated or difficult, but it could have been easier. And this may just all be me because I do not sew um, clothing very it, often. It's more occasional. Uh, and um, also sewing knit clothes is, I guess, occasional. <laughs> so it could be just totally me. But I did notice that there were some things missing from the instructions that were, I guess, if you knew what you were doing it was assumed um but i just was like you just skipped like a whole thing um in, from a to d in b and c what happened to that so that's just kind of like how i was experiencing this pattern um and the other thing was um, I thought it was kind of brilliant how uh, the pattern utilized the double needle on the regular sewing machine to emulate a cover stitch. A cover stitch is um, done on there's, – there's a machine called a cover stitch machine, and that's all it does – um, I have a combination machine where it will do the surging and the cover stitch. Um, and the cover stitch is basically a, um, what looks like a double needle stitch on the top side of the fabric and when you flip it over it's kind of like a little it's like a loopy overlocky ty- type of a stitch um, and it's meant for stretch of course uh, but it looks professional it's it's pretty much on all of your knitwear that you have ready to wear like t-shirts if you flip up the um, hem of your t-shirt you'll see the double Straight stitch, cover stitch on the top side and you flip it over and you'll see that um, kind of loopy uh, overlock stitch. If my main serger cover stitch machine was not packed away for service, I would have bypassed the sewing machine step of the double needle and I would have just done a cover stitch. And that would have been, um, also kind of like a little a bit more efficient way to, to do this. So when you're using a double needle on the sewing machine and the double needle, I think usually comes with, uh, the purchase of a machine. If you look into your accessories, um, it, it's, it's like a single, um, needle top that branches off into two needles. And then you take two threads. And you thread them through your machine as if they were one thread. And when you get down to the needle part, then you like thread each one individually into to the each needle hole. So then uh, what I found is my machine, uh, the presser foot pressure was too heavy. And I was getting this uh, unwanted lettuce edge. Lettuce edge meaning that it kind of like was making it wavy because it was the foot was pulling and dragging it through and it was stretching it. So I didn't like the way that was looking. So then I I decreased the presser foot pressure and that worked. So um, I think that was the only um, issue that I had with the double needle um, on on the sewing machine part. Otherwise, it worked pretty nicely. The other thing I noticed on this pattern was that there was no stay stitching um, or top stitching um, around, you know, the top the front part of the overalls had the front um and back part and then the lining. It was it was it was lined, so the pieces flipped uh right sides out. Um almost like how, you know, like a pillowcase would. And I thought about doing that double needle. Uh, stitch to kind of like just have a nice Neat top stitch on there, but I was, I just didn't want to risk it and ruin, ruin the entire project if it didn't go right. So I just left it the way the instructions had it. Uh, and I, I'm just not sure if you, it, 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 when you're working with knits, if that's what you're supposed to do or if they are supposed to be left unfinished, uh, without a top stitch on them. So I don't know. You guys can let me know some of you that work with knit um, clothing patterns more than I do. Um, so, but otherwise it turned out, you know, cute enough. And the, the, um, straps of the overalls were, um, secured with snaps and, um, that I didn't have a hard time with because I have this really cool tool. It's called the snap setter tool. And, um, the company that makes it is called the snap source. And there's different sizes, but it's kind of like a little layered thing where there's, um, three layers and you, you, you put in, um, the, um, one part of the snap in the first layer, put the fabric on top of it. Then you put the second layer of the snap setter tool on there and it kind of holds it in place. And then you drop in the second part of it. And then you just tap on the top of it with a hammer and boom, your snap is set. So, um, so that was, that was good that I was able to take that tool out because I originally, um, got that for bag making. Um, Sarah Lawson sells this tool, I think, on her website. So sweetness. Uh, but you can, um, also get it directly. Um, from the SnapSource website as well. That is what's been going on with sewing. All right. Let's talk a little bit about industry buzz, if you will. Um, Blueprint, which was formerly Craftsy, just announced that they are shutting it all down within the next few months. If you haven't seen this yet, if you go into the Blueprint website or the app, um, at the very top it says, letter to our customers, a letter from our CEO, please read. As you read and sift through the cliche flowery platitudes, you will find one important thing. And that is, if you were a subscriber to when it was Craftsy back in the good old days, last decade, um, Craftsy's platform was that you purchased classes and you got to keep them forever. Well, here we are. We're, we're in this quandary of, well, where, where are my forever classes? Because if this is shutting down, that was my first thing because I have purchased 68 of those classes and I refer to a lot of them often. And there are a handful that I haven't, um, gotten to watch or finish watching. So, um, I just consider that kind of like my online library. Of resource of classes. Uh, so it does say that they don't promise that you're going to get those, um, but it, they are going to try. This is their words. We're looking at various options to allow those of you who have purchased individual classes to receive a copy of your classes. Uh, so I don't know, but uh, I think that there's probably enough of us out there that have purchased Many classes, and um, uh, with the um, intent of keeping those classes, that that's what was that's what we bought. We bought with the notion of keeping those forever. This whole thing is just so sad and disappointing. You know, uh, when NBC, the parent company, bought Craftsy a couple years ago, um, it's just from the start things just were never done very well and um i feel like it was that you know typical big corporation um acquiring a small company stripping it down to nuts and bolts and discarding the heart and soul of what that small company was it was people instructors accessibility of consumers to those instructors, a marketplace for individuals to sell their own patterns. It was just crushed. And for a long time, I wanted nothing to do with Blueprint. And then after a year, I saw some instructors um, coming onto the platform and um, I decided to give it a go. I did like the free preview and I did one of their special uh, subscriptions for a year because let me tell you, the regular subscription price is ridiculous. That's one of the reasons why I think they're failing. Another reason that they failed, and this is purely my own opinion, but I feel like they took away the community aspect of this platform and they replaced it with a very cold sterile platform very commercial it's almost like they just threw out another tv station and like an hd tv put putting on these little you know shows um and uh, classes that really were lacking the substance that the old craftsy classes had uh and they're just Was no connection anymore. You could not communicate with any of these instructors or each other. um, And that's just not what our community is about. You cannot take a creative community and strip it down to nothing and just treat it as it were on autopilot. Arts and crafts are personal, one of a kind. You can take a class, make a quilt, and not one quilt in that class will be the same as the other. That's the beauty of it. And you'd really, you just can't commercialize that. So what's the silver lining in all of this? Blueprint, Craftsy, they're not the only online teaching platforms out there. This is now a way of life. And there are many online teaching platforms, and you just have to find what works for you and support those small individuals that are providing creative classes. And uh, you will, I think, be much more happy dealing with an individual instructor who is an expert in that particular field offering to share their knowledge with an online course. So let's just, you know, continue to support support our small creative businesses. All right. So I just want to remind you, uh, if you haven't already, you can um, do a review on iTunes for the podcast. It just helps give it more visibility. And um, also, uh, if you want to check out my Patreon page, I do release a bonus podcast episode once a month to the patrons there. And often I do have continued conversations with the podcast guests on these bonus episodes. And for instance, Peter Byrne, um, on the Patreon bonus episode, uh, gave us really a good look at what mid arm quilting is like. There's just not that much information out there on sit down. Um, it would be kind of considered a sit down long arm, or commonly referred to as a mid arm. Um, quilting machine so he uses that he won the best in show quilting on that and it was pretty fascinating to hear his experience and how he uses it so that was on the patreon bonus episode Um, and as always thank you so much for listening and supporting the podcast just by referring it to someone refer the podcast to one of your friends or someone that you think that would enjoy the show Lori Russman from Neon Kitty Quilts is my guest today on the show and we recorded this in early April. I got a little correction. Um, towards the end, I was talking about confetti quilting and I mentioned that overlay fabric as twall. (laughs) And that is not what I meant. Uh, I meant to say tool, the tool fabric, you know, that netting fabric. So, um, although I say twall, just know that I meant to say tool. I hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to check out my podcast page where I will post links to the things that we talk about. You can go to makeanddecorate.com and don't be shy. Uh, Post a comment, send me an email or however you like to communicate. I really love hearing from you guys. My guest today is Lori Russman, Uh, Also known as Neon Kitty Quilts. Lori is a fiber artist and she creates textile art inspired by animals, uh, landscape and nature and travel. Um, She's a frequent teacher at International Quilt Festivals Open Studios and teaches at the City Quilter in New York. Uh she's been on Quilting Arts TV show which I always watch and uh she's a contributor to Quilting Arts magazine and many other magazines uh and she's had juried exhibits in the Houston IQF show. So the list goes on and on but welcome Lori to the show. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Uh thank you Stephanie.
0: I'm delighted to be on this podcast.
1: I'm a fan. <laughs> Good. Yay. Thank you. Um you know, I I um, know you mostly from uh, Instagram because I follow you and you've got uh, always something going on with your, um, your uh, applique quilts that you make and the beautiful artistry with your thread painting. I just love it. I love seeing your posts and, um, and I, I know I've seen you on quilting arts, but I think I, when, When I started like following you on Instagram, I didn't really put the two together until I read it on your, on (laughs) on your webpage. So it's interesting. I, that I just, it's funny because you're familiar with some people and you're just like, where do I know them from? And that would be where I would know you from originally.
0: I was living in the back (laughs) of your mind. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) So your website says you live in Connecticut with Mm -hmm. your husband angelic german shepherd dog and three mischievous felines
0: so talk tell us about these pets and how they inspire your work well actually the name neon kitty quilts uh comes from one of them um really uh, we are all about our animals we're huge animal people Mm -hmm. and they are just the loves of our lives and the my art quilting really hit an interesting point when I had our feral cat, Keo, the littlest one, in my lap in front of our old iMac, now old. And I took a picture using the crazy filter. And it was the wild neon toned picture of her expression, which she always looks like she's about to leap off and fly to Mars. (laughs) And a friend of mine said, you really need to make a quilt of that. And so that became neon kitty and that became my first submission that made it to Houston because Pokey did a special exhibit that year to benefit Houston's wonderful animal shelter. Oh, so from that. that point on, it was the first time I'd been to Houston. It was the first time I'd had a cult accepted uh, into a major show. And it just inspired me beyond what you can imagine. And then the second thing that really was a catalyst was uh, – iPads and iPhones Mm -hmm. because for those of us who don't have a drawing practice I never took an art class in my life I come from financial services but the ability to take pictures and then from them manipulate out patterns and you're always taking pictures of your pets Mm -hmm. and it's really great fun to say now how could that translate in fabric and thread and and bring it to life So, So you're capturing the spirit of those animals in different ways. They might be in crazy colors or they might be against different backgrounds. Um, so Keo has appeared in multiple quilts. Our mischievous black cat, Jackson, uh, is in a few of my big ones. And then he's the little cat profile in a lot of quilts I do for a wonderful cause, Jamie Fingle Heads Up, okay. um, which helps furnish apartments for formerly homeless women and children. Out in California oh, great. yes yeah, yes yeah. so, so she's asked art quilters to make home themed quilts, and Aww. so a profile you've seen a lot of on Instagram, and my feed has been these little home quilts, little yes. houses tilting to one side, and the cat, Les Jackson Aww. so you've seen all of my critters one way wow. or another <laughs> yes yes it's so cool and how, how long ago then was this that you you first made that neon kitty quilt that was your first one right that art was the, the first one that went into a show oh okay. um, my art my art quilting experimentation began probably 2006 or 2007 okay. when I found quilting arts magazine ah. in the city quilter and I started paging through it and became a subscriber and took a few classes on, you know, creative ways to use applique. Mm-hmm. And that really shifted me off of making traditional patchwork lab quilts or doll quilts into art quilting and inspired all the exploration that followed.
1: So then uh, was it this um, entry into the juried show that kind of then sort of developed this niche that you're kind of in now because this i would i would think that this is sort of a niche for you now because you you really are an expert at it and you and you create this art um a lot all the time and you teach it yes
0: yes well it's the great thing about art quilting is that you can test all sorts of techniques and make small projects and then you find something that really sings to you and in my case it's this notion of um, using a lot of misty Fuse, which I'm sure we'll talk about, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but you, you, putting fusible appliqué on backs on the back of fabric and then creating collages mm-hmm. instead of having to measure you no know, corners, you know, just compose these scenes, whether it's a landscape or celebrating a pet um, or whatever the subject might be, uh, and then lots of thread yes. and lots of bright color. Yeah. Um I'm an I'm a huge Orfoll fan. I was an Oracle artisan for 2 years, which was, was a tremendous experience and you won't see many neutrals in my work. Right. <laughs> I, no. I like I to cheer people up with my work.
1: <laughs> but uh, you said uh earlier that you you're not really like you haven't taken a drawing class or art class and uh which is really I think inspiring and Um, cause a lot of people just think in when we see, and when I first started going to quilt shows and I would see those art quilts, I was blown away and I just didn't even know like how that was possible and how someone could be that talented. And then once I really got into quilting, you learn a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Then you realize, oh, this, this, I think I might be able to do this. (laughs) Um, but it, it's still amazing because when I see your process, it really comes together with the thread painting. You really capture the, um, the eyes, um, of, you know, the cats and the animals that you do and their personalities. Uh, there's this one cat you did. I don't know which one it is, but he almost looks like a grumpy cat and the colors. Those were neutral colors, though. So the cat was a neutral. I think the background was a bright color. But uh, it was kind of like soft creams and tans.
0: Yeah. Cheryl Sloboda lost her cat, Bastet. And I I like to do tribute cats for friends if they've lost a pet. And I said, send me your favorite picture of her. And she sent me this picture. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and best at sort of scowling into the camera yes. with one eye sort of yeah. narrowed. That was the most <laughs> difficult one to do, Stephanie. Oh, because wow. I First of all, one eye was partially closed, and it was kind of this really specific kind of, what are you going to do for me next human look? Uh-huh. And I emailed her back, and I said, you sure you want me to use this photo? <laughs>
1: It turned out great. I love it. And again, do you capture that. It's just so amazing. But um I like that you show the layers because it doesn't start off looking like that. And I think that people sometimes don't realize that it's a process and it's not going to look m- finished until you've gone through and laid out what these fabrics like when you lay them first out in that first layer, they don't look like much yet you know they're just little parts it looks very like disjointed parts of like an animal um portrait but you know it's like the more you work with it and you add to it then that's when it really starts to come together and really be art it's it's just gorgeous it's really beautiful
0: Well, thank you. The thread (laughs) really acts as the blending tool between the edges of the fabric. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, the fabric pieces are like the building blocks. And then instead of smudging pastels, it's kind of like you're using a thread to sort of smooth out the areas where there are sharp changes in color.
1: Yeah. the,
0: The best thing people can do if they're doing a pet's eyes just make sure they put little dots of white ink for the highlights mm-hmm. that's the thing that make the eyes go from looking like a stuffed animal to okay this is this this creature live
1: Right. Yeah, it really does make those eyes come alive. And I, I like that we'll talk about it too, about using not just thread and not just fabric, not your, you know, typical, like quilting, you kind of, you know, this is more mixed media a little bit and you use some inks. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, the white marker. So um uh, let's talk about the techniques that or use your, your basic techniques you started to talk about a little bit so i i think that your main techniques are fused applique um, thread painting and quilting and then there's more that you mm-hmm. layer on top of that so you could just start and ta- start talking about that and make your way through the the extra layers and what you add into it
0: of course. Well, one of the favorite tools, and incidentally, the, I think one of the best takeaways for anyone going to a big show, try to take some lectures because you'll hear people talk about the tools they use. Mm-hmm. And each time you'll come away with something and think, wow, I hadn't heard of that before. Mm-hmm. So my first aha was Tsukiniko Ink Pens. That's mm-hmm. a Japanese company. So the mm-hmm. fabric ink pens, the, they're called Fabrico. Uh, Japanese ink company. Is and nice? the markers are two tips. You have, yep, there you <laughs> go. Uh, and they are wonderful. They're wonderful for adding fine detail, for adding shading. Mm-hmm. If you want to put a shadow on the side of a cup or, you know, I have about six or seven pens that, that are different shades of green. Mm-hmm. It's another thing that, another way you can add interest you have a certain shade of green fabric for the iris of the cat eye, mm-hmm. but you want to put little streaks in and the thread will add some. But you can also put little streaks of ink in, in different shades. And the more you do, the more lifelike it becomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those inks are great. You have to be careful because test them on the fabric. They can run. So you mm-hmm. have to fit, heat them to set them normally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they also come in little bottles. And they sell little markers, and so the only one you have to have in bottle form is white because they don't do a white pen. Oh, okay, all right. Um, so then, my more recent discovery is Posca pen, paint pens, oh. which um, I heard Judy Coates Perez write about, and or Rick. And she, by the way, is my favorite teacher. Best class I ever took. Oh, my gosh. What she can do with acrylic inks. Ooh,
1: what's but her name? These Judy paint, Coates? Judy
0: Coates Perez.
1: Coates Perez. I haven't heard of her.
0: Okay. She is more of a painter than a quilter. She comes at it from the artist into quilting rather than a quilter moving towards okay. art. Okay. Uh, which is really interesting. But these paint markers sit on top of the fabric in a different way. So they'll give you a different different technique, I mean, a different different effect. Yeah. And depending on what you're going for, that could be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, oh, gosh, I've got bottles of acrylic paint. There's all sorts of fun things you can do um, with special effects. If you want to do some lettering, you can cut out letters from a piece of freezer paper. Mm-hmm. iron the freezer paper onto the fabric and then using a great big fat wide brush brush acrylic ink on let it dry peel away the paper and you'll have painted letters on your quilt
1: okay yeah
0: instead of cutting letters out of fabric and using them yes. so it, it, it's in so each way and that was one technique i took away from judy's class uh-huh. so there are all of these elements of surface design that it's interesting to explore and play with them, and some of them you try and say, "Nah, maybe not," and others become part of your permanent collection.
1: You know, mm-hmm. so in my
0: supply drawer here, I'm looking at a drawer of fabrico of paint, of, you know, a drawer full of Posca paint markers, a drawer full of another brand, um, and, and you never know which one you might use. But it's great to have them all handy.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, and I think that's a part of what I think is makes it fun because i just i love all different types of crafts and i like that in this instance you can mix them into all into one like i can have my quilting and um you know some you know artistic playing with pens and paint uh, Mm -hmm. and quilt it all in one and i like too that the size is small so i haven't tried it yet i really really want to try my my dog cooper And of course, like I have a million pictures of him. So I really want to, to try your technique on that and just make like a little, you know, like you do the portraits of mostly just like their faces, their head. And Mm -hmm. uh, um, yes, start with that. And it's always
0: easier if the photo has them looking at you
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: if it's high enough contrast.
1: Okay. All right.
0: That's really good. That's the key. If you receive friends that send pictures and I'm like, no, that one is not going to work because the one way to test it, if you have an on the iPhone, I'm not sure what it would be like on um, on Android, but you edit photo and turn it into a black and white picture. Mm -hmm. And if it all fades to gray. Then you know that it's going to be a very difficult photo to turn into a pattern. Okay. Just like if you're picking fabrics for a project and you want to make sure that there's enough contrast and value, instead of, you know, picking up a separate tool, just take a picture of it, turn to black and white, and it'll tell you right away. And it's okay. amazing. Sometimes you'll think, oh, there's plenty of contrast there. And right. then you take a black and white photo and it's like, guess what? There wasn't. <laughs> there's a reason that it wasn't working. You didn't know what it was, but that was it.
1: So, what, so how do you get a better contrast? Is it with the lighting or
0: your, your angle, the angle that you're taking the photo of? Well, I, I hear my husband would be laughing because he's, he's, he studied photography in school. I come oh. from a family of world's worst photographers. Um, <laughs> I think <me> the <laughs> iPhone, The iPhone is my friend. Mm-hmm. But there are all, all sorts of adjustments that you can make in edit mode mm-hmm. to sharpen the contrast. Um, use oh. HD for high definition mm-hmm. as a setting when you're taking the picture. Um, make sure the light is not, fr- not behind the animal, that the animal, the light is sort of coming, you know, sort of at the animal's face instead yeah. of behind. Okay. So
1: that's just like taking pictures of people. You same but, principle with the light. You don't want to have them washed out or they get really dark if they stand in front of a window and the camera's facing the window. Then you'll have a great silhouette. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, good. That that's really a good tip and um so let's talk about the fabrics because I think that's another uh thing that you just kind of have to learn with experience and I, I would just have to play with it. But um I know I, I don't I don't think you use just solids. I you use a lot of batiks too, right? That have a little bit of more modeled texture and um uh,
0: so it's not so flat. Exactly. I think that totally flat solids are very challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, Batiks, the problem, some batiks are so patterned that they become a little more difficult to use. Mm -hmm. And some artists do these spectacular animal portraits where they take... Pieces of very busy fabric and just put them together and you step back and it all works. Hmm. I go for more tonal batiks. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my latest favorite is Lava Solids by Wyndham Fabrics mm. because they have little bit of, of variation of light and dark, but they're close enough to solid so you can use them as pure tones. Uh, and they okay. come in about 300 colors. Oh, great. I mean, it's crazy. So you oh. have. You know, if you have a, an orange cat and you want to have medium light dark, there's no problem. You have lots oh, of choices. Nice.
1: Okay.
0: Um, those are great. Um, Boutiques are the best as well because of the high thread count. Mm-hmm. So if you're cutting really small pieces out of a commercial quilt and cotton, you're going to have a lot more fray. Right. And it's a really specific look that can be interesting, but usually it's more frustrating and mm-hmm. involves a lot of trimming. hmm Um, the, the times when you need specialty fabrics is when you have a monotone cat. I had a friend send me a photo of a Westie. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That would be challenging
1: because Westies are white, right? They're kind of. Oh yeah.
0: So if you have a monotone pet and and I've done the same thing on the other end of the range with my black cat Jackson, Mm -hmm. then you need to go for different weights and types of fabric. And that's mm-hmm. where you pull in some silks um, or some flannels, something where there's a little bit of textural change. Mm-hmm. And then and then when you get to the thread choice, you're going for a limited range of color, but then you go for different weights. Got it. And Aurifil makes a wool thread as well as cotton. <gasps> yes, so I just that bought some wool thread last year at the, their yeah, show. It's, mm-hmm. Aren't they wonderful?
1: It's um, really it, nice.
0: Yeah. But that will help you achieve more of that surface interest.
1: Okay. That,
0: that, so that it doesn't look like you know just one big blob of white, right. one big blob of black. Yeah. Um, if you're doing that, be conscious to the grain of the fabric. Okay. Silk dupioni is I'm probably mispronouncing dupioni. Very <laughs> grained silk, very <laughs> mm-hmm. lustrous. You okay. can use it to good effect by always putting it in the in the direction of the cat's fur. Okay. So just keep cutting different pieces so that it's going nose to the back of the head and then uh, the side of the face and then the side of the body. Um, yeah.
1: You know. Cause silk,
0: yeah, the silk has
1: that, um, a light side. It's like um like a velvet, even like a light side and a dark side, depending on how the light hits it.
0: And then nubbly sort of texture. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, so, so if you have a monotone pet, you can, you can have a lot of fun with that. It, it just requires a little more forethought. Right. Yeah.
1: That's interesting. So these are really great. Cause I think uh for me, just even like tackling, like what fabrics do I get to like make this portrait? And, um, it, and, and it's not the obvious, like you would think you would do solids, but you really don't, you really have to have a little bit more of a, you know,
0: uh, Something texture a, yeah for dimension little more ago. yeah if you have a friend that hand dyes fabric that's uh, wonderful oh yeah uh, because i have several pieces i've done there's a woman that used to be in connecticut that is now in colorado named carol eaton mm-hmm. and she's trying to do her own work now and not sell as much fabric which mm. is very sad for those of us who <laughs> bought because literally some of my pieces, I would send Carol the photograph of the animal, and she would hand dye three different shades—dark, oh, wow. medium, and light—and wow. she put kits together for my classes that I taught when the city quilter was still open. Mm-hmm. Little miniature versions of that cat. Oh. So make friends with somebody who's into dyeing <laughs> their own fabrics, right? Because they'll they'll right they'll take the the batik prepared for dyeing, and then they can do a custom bath and your pets a particular shade, you know, dark, medium light is easy for them to do, but uh-huh. that way you have absolutely, you know, right, perfect, perfect fabric. Sure. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. Really nice. So then we've got our fabrics. So now we need to, um, get them onto, you know, your background. So, um, you use, I know you use Misty Fuse, and I use it too, and I love it. Um, so let's talk about Misty Fuse. It's really pretty great.
0: <laughs> it is amazing. I first I came to fusible applique using paper-backed fusible
1: mm-hmm. and
0: creating drawing patterns on the paper and creating an enormous amount of paper waste. I mean, but you know the floor would look like somebody had a party by the time I finished peeling away. Mm -hmm. And Misty Fuse is so lightweight and having no paper. I've just gotten into the habit of fusing a piece of fabric as soon as it comes into my studio. Hmm. So that way you have stacks that are ready to use instead. And I fuse everything. I fuse the backing fabric to the batting. I fuse the the background fabric to the batting so Ah. that nothing shifts. And we'll, now, we have to be careful about that, which we can get to in the later stage. But um, with Misty Fuse, you need to have uh, preferably two nonstick sheets, mm-hmm. silicone sheets. Mm-hmm. Um, they they make them call their brand name is Goddess Sheet. But any silicone applique sheet will mm-hmm. do that job. Um, and just be careful. But you just get some good music on and just – you know, fuse one fat quarter, hang it up, let it sort of cure for 20 minutes, peel it off, and then on to the next one. So it's a bit of a project, but you'll be so happy once you've prepped all the fabric.
1: Yeah. So I I see you you post about it too, and you you talk about like oh I'm I'm fusing you know, fat quarters today or whatever. And I'm thinking, how do you, I mean, it's, you just, but now you just said it, you fuse everything that comes into your, yeah. into your studio. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you normally work with smaller, like fat quarter type pieces because of the yes. nature yes. of the. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: I will try to do a few larger pieces a year to submit to Houston or Saga auctions um, you know, nothing much bigger than, say, 30 to 45 okay. by 45-ish. Mm. Um, I was invited to participate in the uh, Better World exhibit last year. Not the online exhibit, not the Houston piece of it. Um, working big, I find more difficult. I, I It goes on to the long arm. The long arm begins to misbehave. Oh. I, I've, I've <laughs> sort of gravitated back towards smaller pieces being eminently more fun. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. Can imagine that. So, um, and that's interesting. So the so for the listeners that don't know, misty fuse, misty fuse, is um basically like um because I think everybody you know I learned that way too with the paper and then you have to like draw, or get somehow get that drawing on backwards because it's mirrored, you and mm-hmm. that sort of thing when you have to press it on there and cut it out. So this you don't have to do any of that. It's just the real thin um fuse like it's just like no paper attached to it's at just all. this
0: gossamer layer right, exactly right. and and you can draw right on the fabric and yes. what what another product that's related to it that um, your listeners might not have heard of is called bunny paper
1: yes I learned that from you. You posted about it just a few months ago. And I was just like, it's what terrific. is this bunny paper?
0: <laughs> it, it's fantastic. Because, um, it, it, it's sort of a new improved version. Bunny paper had come out a few years ago. And one brand of printers didn't like it as much. So uh. Iris retooled a little bit. And bunny paper is a piece of very heavy paper. It looks shiny on one side. So you can use it in a few different ways. You can either... P- gently, like not very high heat, medium heat, press your fabric right onto the shiny side and feed it right through the printer. That's and amazing. So then you're printing your design right, you know, as is. You don't have to flip it. Um, on, it prints reverse, onto the fabric. Image. Right? And it just prints right on the fabric. Wow. So if it's a really intricate shape, mm-hmm. um, like my happy little coffee pot with a million different angles, mm-hmm. I just press that piece of green fabric right onto the shiny side and people might be familiar with the printable fabric that's packaged yes. and those, those fabrics are terrific but you're really limited to just that cream colored right fabric mm-hmm. that's kind of it yeah this this way bunny paper turns it into it turns all of your fabrics into printable fabric
1: yeah that's amazing And it's it, or it, you can similar it sounds similar to freezer paper with the shiny side and you can press it
0: onto the fabric but it's it's that and it's, even better but oh, well, it, it is much better because the number of times I had to dig freezer paper out of my my inkjet printer mm-hmm. wheels,
1: yeah, because that's be really
0: sound. Yeah, yeah, and it would get stuck and jammed. Oh. <laughs> so oh, really ugly. You know, so bunny paper also is reusable. So you can then you peel the fabric off and you do the next one, or you can just print a design on the shiny side and then press that design to the back of your fabric.
1: Oh, okay, all right.
0: So that's thinking a little, I, I know for, you have to sort of think about that for a minute, but, but it's, it's right side fa- it's, it's a right side design. And so you want it to come through onto the back of yeah. the fabric. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's an, it's a great way to work with Misty Fuse. Mm-hmm. Although to be honest, a, it, there's a great fun to be had in just free cutting shapes. If you're working with landscapes, which mm-hmm. I love to do, mm-hmm. You're just cutting trees, cutting leaves, you just get going with it. You just cut a bunch of rectangles you yeah. just free cut leaves. And, and, the, and this is where the pre-fused fabrics
1: come in. I mean, I can see how that yes. just really kind of like makes the flow of the pro- project that much faster because to have to stop and take time and just fuse this little tiny piece of fabric. And I think I kind of have done that. <laughs> So (laughs) it would be, it would be nice just to have fabrics just for that type of, um, quilting. Um, absolutely. So that's a good process. I'm glad that, uh, you talked about that. And I learned, uh, to do that. Um, yeah, I don't have the goddess sheet. Um, because before then I just got like these big, you can just get them anywhere, but those, they, they can use them in kitchen sheets, the silicone, you
0: know. The silicone. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That, that, yeah. That, that, that's all you need. Yeah. Um, the nice thing about them is once they get worn out enough, mm-hmm. I have got a sheet that's split in half. I've used it so much. Mm-hmm. And so I use it as a backup for when I'm inking little pieces mm-hmm. so that the ink doesn't get all over my, my desk
1: mm-hmm. yes. or over yeah. my
0: pressing surface nice. because this, n- nothing will penetrate mm-hmm. through the surface. That's so they're good. also handy you know if if one of your sheets tears don't get rid of it <laughs> because it can be it, it can, can, be, it can be, be put to work as an art background right, for other media. Right. Yeah.
1: And you know it just now like you've got my my brain thinking of other things too because um you can print uh the fabric onto the bunny paper and then other people that have the cutting machines with the rotary blades they can even just like print those to to their cutting machines too. So there's a, yes, a I'm dying for a cricket,
0: That that that's on my bucket list because my, now that it, yeah. it, it's an, it now it speaks to the iPad. Oh, it does dis- it? Nice. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's a, apparently I, I did a little test. I don't have the machine, but I tested with their app on my iPad and I, mm. I could see where the a design I was working on for a cat could be uploaded. I'm like, Ooh, that would be awesome as that's well. Nice. Yes. I like that. Yes.
1: See, cause I keep, I have a silhouette, an older silhouette, silhouette two, and it doesn't have the rotary. They just introduced the, the, the silhouette four in September. And now in January, they came out with this wider 15 inch one. So you could really like cut bigger pieces of fabrics. So then mm-hmm. i like, and they have the rotary blade, but I don't know if it talks. To, I'm going to have to find out if that one talks to, cause. Again, it's like you said on a bucket list. So one of these days, I'm going to be able to get it. But so, but in the meantime, I'm just doing all this research. Research, Cricut Maker, Silhouette, and so many people. It's still. I feel I find more more people use the Cricut than the Silhouette. So I'm just more familiar with the Silhouette. So that's why I kind of keep clinging onto it.
0: Plus, it got a wider size. So
1: <laughs> I'm just curious. Right.
0: If, if there's a brand that you already know and love mm-hmm. and you know that it works for you, then it's just yeah, maybe worth it.
1: Maybe we'll see. We'll, we'll find out down the road, right? <laughs> but in the meantime, the bunny paper and your printer is an excellent, um, excellent way to, to do this. And, um, so then you, so, You have your, you start off with like the background fabric, right? That's like
0: your kind of palette. Sometimes. Sometimes sometimes I'll build the cat onto the goddess sheet so that I I have him or her to to lift off and put on top of different backgrounds.
1: Oh, gotcha. Yeah, because you layer the pieces on top of each other.
0: Exactly. Okay. Uh, um, What I can do also is go into Procreate and switch out the background colors mm-hmm. in, in drawing form just to see, okay, well, dark red, maybe, maybe a lighter uh, red, just to get yeah. a rough idea. That's a good idea.
1: Let's talk about Procreate. I'm so excited about this. Oh, I uh, love
0: Procreate. Cause I, I
1: just, I'm, I'm late to that party, but I, I have it now. So I I got a, an iPad in January and I've been learning Procreate and it's amazing. And then I, when I saw that you use it and with, with this, um, it was very interesting Um, how you use it so go ahead and just talk about
0: what you want to talk about with procreate absolutely well let's say that you send me a picture of a cat that you need you need done and so I've already I already have my misty fused fabric sitting waiting to be <laughs> chosen and it's all kind of hanging out there um, the first thing I would do it and, and this I would say people who know Photoshop probably don't need Procreate. This is for people like me who never had Photoshop or mm-hmm. learned it. And I was just using more basic apps on the, on the iPhone, which were very functional. But Procreate's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just need to play with it to understand it. Yeah. Uh, but, but I would import the photo that you sent to me into a new piece. And the most important thing is when in doubt – click a new layer. Mm -hmm. So up in the upper right right hand, there's that little plus sign. Mm -hmm. And you want to keep clicking and making sure that when you're drawing something, an outline of something, you're not drawing it in the same layer as the photo. Right. Because the objective is to be able to unclick the photo layer Mm -hmm. and aha, see a drawing. Mm -hmm. So the first few times, everybody is going to do this beautiful outline of this animal in intricate form and go, Okay, I'll unclick and the whole thing disappears and you have oh, left with the white screen right so right. trust me it, it, it's Layers. speaking from experience
1: really ideal yeah. world
0: now you know oh my gosh um, but now you can think of it in modular form and say okay I'm gonna use the following fabrics I, I know so I'm going to click I have the photos the photos look in front of me in one layer click for a new layer and I'll name that First layer, um, dark orange, because that'll be the the main body of the cat. Mm -hmm. And I'll outline the pieces that will need to be cut in orange. Mm -hmm. And then I'll hit the plus sign again, click another layer, name that medium orange, and sketch in some little areas that have more sun on them that are going to be the lighter fur parts.
1: Okay.
0: Hit plus sign again. That might be white for the white paws, the white face. Mm um the might be part of a tail, whatever it is. And each time you click layer and draw for a different color, mm-hmm. you're setting up so that you can then do print of each of those layers separately onto each color of fabric. Okay. So you have this automation process you're setting up mm-hmm. to work with bunny paper or with with the Cricut Maker. And to you to say can you
1: can you send it directly from Procreate to your printer? I can't remember. Yes. Yes. Oh, and you can just it's, print layer by layer,
0: right? You can just print layer by layer. And what you do is, let's say you're, you, you, you have everything unclicked except the dark orange layer, mm-hmm. the background cat. Um, you need to export on the upper left. Mm-hmm. So what the, the best thing to do with Procreate is to play with it and, and make little cheat sheets, sh- screenshots for yourself mm-hmm. of, you know, I have some, you should, I'll send you the ones I have. They're hilarious. It's like <laughs> dummy, don't forget, do that. Big arrow. <laughs> um, but you have the layer design that you want f- to use first. Export doesn't matter what form, PDF, JPEG. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have, you'll be able to find an option to print. Okay. Or if you can find it, you can just save it to photos and then print from photos. Right, right. Okay. Really good. Nice. So so that way, instead of having any hand tracing, mm -hmm. you're going immediately from you do one time you sit there with your Apple Pencil and you do all of the outlining and the eyes and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you have all of these line drawings ready to be printed onto Mm -hmm. either the bunny paper to transfer the bunny paper with fabric on top of it to go directly to the fabric mm-hmm. or to your cutter. So, so it's, it's a real game changer.
1: Really? It really is amazing. I just am amazed at that program. Um, do you? So when you're drawing each layer, let's say like your dark orange, do you test out on Procreate? Like you do you drag the orange color and fill in those those uh, drawings that you've done just to see how it's going to look or do you just keep them as just line sketches?
0: Um, It it depends. I have done sometimes Mm -hmm. and I did a a post on my blog um, about showing how to do that. Mm-hmm. because it, t- it was a big aha moment. We, there's nothing is easy. Buried in the Apple website is a 600-page handbook that oh. you download to your phone and your iPad, and you actually have it for reference. Oh, I didn't even Trust know that me. existed. <laughs> I will never read it. I will never read it. And it's easier to find this stuff on your, on your own. But what you do if you want to try different colors is, you, you know how the little color selected appears as a little sphere on the upper right hand corner mm-hmm. you, you drag it with your pencil over to the shape that you want and right. then release and mm-hmm. if you've drawn the shape perfectly i.e it's closed. a closed form yeah then it will take it
1: yeah that's fun i know i, I learned how to do that I, i'm learning all of this on youtube basically
0: <laughs> yes so, you, the, the, that's actually it's more a good resource Then, yeah to see how people do it, but, but the problem is are a lot of artists are using procreate for different reasons, not mm. for fabric for fiber art. So True. each person's coming at it for you know with yes. different tools being the most useful,
1: yeah, you're right, definitely. I mean, you could you can even do animated stuff., uh, you can animate your
0: drawings on procreate like little videos. It's crazy. It's just well, what's wonderful <laughs> is you can have a video of all the steps it took for your piece to come together and you don't re- it, it's doing that for you, really. It's all in the background. So oh. you've done 10 million pieces of a, you know, it would probably be really fun if it was a landscape with 10 mm-hmm. million different, you know, colors of flowers and the umbrella and shared and whatever piece. And, and you just hit playback. Oh, wow. And, I have not tried that yet. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> it, <it's-
1: laughs> oh, man. It's fun. I got to do that. It's, it's just a fun toy. I just, I just am loving it so much. And I, I got that because I wanted to, to, I've seen like people doing this procreate and I'm just like, I need to do this.
0: <laughs> no, it's addictive. It is a yeah, wonderful, a good tool. wonderful tool. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So then, um, so it's interesting that you, you have incorporated that into your, your process, um, and probably makes it a lot more efficient and fun for you. Um, and so y- you're, you're to the point where now you're kind of like putting this together to be, um, thread painted, right? That's like your next thing that you're mm-hmm. going to do. And then you fuse that onto, like you said, your batting, background, batting and applique yep. onto the background. And then. Yep. Well, I- you, you you thread paint your image first, and then you do the all-around quilting
0: last, right? Right. But okay. what I do is I do it all I, – I fuse all of the layers before I stitch anything. Some artists do Even the thread the back painting layer. on just the top layer. Yep. Okay. My The permanent resident in my bobbin is in, invisible monofilament thread. So that way I don't have oh, to keep changing I was going to ask
1: you about that. that if you changed
0: your bobbin <laughs> thread. <laughs> that's how I cheat. Um, I go through miles of superior threads, monopoly. It, okay. It's just wonderful. And then I put the sandwiches all together. So that way, you know, the subject first and then the background, but it's all being done through. So on the back you can see, it's you know in sort of sketch form Mm -hmm. as as the shapes take take place but
1: oh cool okay nice um so orafil thread and then you you probably use different weights like you said with the fabrics you use different weights of the fabric to get your um ideal dimension uh levels so um what is do you start with like your typical 50 weight or do you and then you go t- towards your thickest, or um, how would you go about even de- organizing that?
0: <laughs> well, it depends on the project. And you should see, I have a file, dry, I have I have boxes of the, the Orifil does these plastic, you know, mm-hmm. hold a dozen threads, spools of thread boxes that you, with which you're familiar. So I have my bright colors, my pastels, and then I've got 40 weights, I've got 12 weights, I've got 28 weight, Mm -hmm. Um, and what I'll do before I begin to stitch any piece is pull out an empty box, because I have a few extras, and I select. I pull all of the, everything I plan to use. Oh, cool. It's almost like a fabric pull. (laughs) Exactly. So that way, when you start to stitch, it's it's all right there. Okay. You're not sort of finishing with one section going, "Um, okay, what am I going to do now? Yeah. So normally I would do 50 weight to start out. Mm-hmm. I would add for the fur, either the 40 weight or the 28 weight, mm-hmm. the heavier, mm-hmm. um, depending on the cat. I mean, my black cat is very sleek. And so, you know, he, he would, it would be 50 weight biggest. Right. He's not shaggy. Um, <laughs> the whiskers 12 weight. Okay that's that is the yeah. best because that way, for each whisker, you just go from the face out and then back, and you only have to backtrack once. Oh, nice. Or okay. maybe you don't. Or maybe you just want to do one and not, not backtrack. Right, right. It makes it a lot easier because backtracking whiskers. I mean, people don't normally worry about this. I know. But <laughs> <laughs> if you're using 50 way thread, you have to go back and forth a lot of times to have a lot of impact. So, 12 way thread. You know, if you just get their black and white, um, it, it's fabulous. And you don't want to forget to put a bigger needle in when you use the 12 weight. Oh, so, right. for needles, uh, I'm a big superior, fans, mm-hmm. superior Threads fan of a lot of their products as well. And I love their needles. So, mm-hmm. I only use Top Stitch 90. Or if I'm using the 12 weight thread, I use Top Stitch 100. Yes, because the top get stitch needles through. have that
1: bigger hole,
0: the in bigger the eye.
1: Hole. Yep, yeah. So top stitch ninety, and what was the second one you said?
0: Eight eighty, and top stitch a hundred. Oh, if you're doing if you're doing the super 12-weight. 12 like 12 weight. Ah, got it. Yep.
1: Nice. Okay. Yeah, and then when like you're talking about the whiskers and stuff, do you um, do any like? sketching first on there and then stitch on your lines or do you you probably by now sort of like do this just by because you know how you know how to thread paint so well that you can probably do it just without drawing on there but i mean is that what you would recommend to just sort
0: of do little light light little drawings well for for the whiskers um it depends. Normally what I would do is, is bring the, the, the original photo back up on my iPad and put it next to my machine and look. Oh. Because some cats have funny eyebrow whiskers that mm-hmm. go a particular direction. Um, and, and so I won't draw them in advance because it's really hard. And then if you miss, then it's, you're going to have this really unfortunate effect. Okay. So close enough. It's All just right. about getting that little gentle curve. And if you get the starting point right. Just look um, at it and say, okay, where on the face does the whisker start and then where does it end? And yeah. it, how it travels between those two points, you know, that, so, that you shouldn't worry about too much.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good tip too, is to re- refer back to the photograph. That's that makes perfect sense. <laughs> See stuff like that I wouldn't even think to do. And it's like you would think, Hello. <laughs> Look at the photograph <laughs> for direction of what needs to be stitched. Very nice. And I love that the monofilament in the bobbin, I've got a big spool of the Orifil, um monofilament threads, so I could use that in my bobbin.
0: Absolutely. Nice. It, 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 it's just a gift to not have to weigh, and it also lasts much longer because mm-hmm. it's so thin, it as you know. Yeah. So it, it's yeah. just one, you, you can just keep cranking on top. hmm
1: so good. And then you just switch out your threads as, as per the colors and, and voila. So you, then you just quilt around it and bind mm-hmm. it like a normal quilt, right?
0: Well, the binding will do, depend if it's a very large piece. I'll mm-hmm. do a facing. Oh, yes. If it's a, if it's a smaller quilt, a 14 square, you know, this sort of, you know, something that size or, or smaller, What I like to do, and I'm a Bernina girl, is I do two passes around, trim the edges, and I use the 2A foot. And this was a tip that Cheryl Sloboda gave on a teaching video a long time ago, that that's a great pressure foot to use for the first zigzag stitch to keep all the edges flat so they don't do this little wave pattern Ah. as you're you're stitching them. Sometimes Uh that can happen. Yes. But the the 2A foot has that extra little metal rod that the needle passes over and it, it helps the edges of the fabric behave. Oh, so I'll, I'll do look that up. Yeah. I'll do a zigzag stitch, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, one time around with that. And then I'll switch out for, a, you know, the, a, a, a wider applique foot. I, the, on the Bernina, I, I do a 20 foot is my, my go-to. Oh yeah. Okay. And then I'll, I'll get some cheap satin binding. I have in a million colors, and line it right up against the cut edge of the quilt and do a second round of zigzag stitching that stitches the binding the piping to the sides okay so it gives each small art quilt this really nice finished edge Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of shine around the edges and it Mm -hmm. gives the edges a little more heft so that they, they just a little more solidity
1: okay um so that that would be a new technique for me i'll have to Take a look and dive into that a little bit more. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've seen like small little tutorials. Um, even in a quilt, though, someone did a, a little quick lesson on facing, but I haven't actually really tried facing yet. So that'll be a new thing, but it's, you know what? When they're, they're smaller like that, like you said, maybe 14 inch square or 20 inch square, it would be, that'll be a lot better than trying to do it on a
0: queen size quilt. <laughs> The facing, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Well, the the facing, the facing, I learned from from um, Susan Brubaker's um, uh, teaching video okay. from Quilting Arts.
1: Yeah,
0: um, she, she 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 did uh, uh, fabulous finishes. I think was the name of the DVD. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I had a quilt accepted, and I had to do a facing on a big piece. So, oh. <laughs> I think I listened to it ten times.
1: Yes. <laughs> Oh great. Yeah, I love her. She's I like her on that show a lot. It's funny. I am just gonna digress here, but um what when um uh what's her name? You mentioned her, uh the the other host of Pokey. Pokey. I kept I wanted to say Poppy and I knew that wasn't right. Pokey. (laughs) When she left, I was so Upset. And I was like, no. And then Susan Brubaker, NAP came on and I was like, yes. Cause we were already familiar with her. She had been a guest on that show so much. And, uh, like she's
0: fabulous and yes. she makes the, being a guest on that show, she makes it so easy. I mean, it's such a fun process.
1: Yeah. And I just, I like her style, um, how she hosts it and it, cause you know, like, you know, they have limited amounts of time and, and so like, she just, just eloquently moves along the process and, you know, without being like, okay, you got five seconds. <laughs> 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 oh man. So yeah, I love that show. It's it's a show for listeners if you're not familiar um it, it, it's usually aired on PBS channels um around the country um quilting arts.
0: And it's wonderful. Yeah.
1: Yep. Okay. So um landscapes. Are they so you do landscapes and um uh travel and are is that kind of like the same concept that you use with the animal quilts or do you kind of take a different do you make them a little bit more abstract or what's what how is how is how do you approach that
0: well with landscapes the, the the biggest challenge normally is to find a few trees to to use as a focus yeah. uh, you know i take pictures and there's a million trees in it so it's okay how do i isolate them so that it looks interesting without looking messy. Mm,
1: okay.
0: um, and there was one piece I did uh, called the night garden mm-hmm. that a lot of people have that seemed to like it was in a few, couple of magazines. And it was a picture I took out in front of my house at dawn and it was a bunch of trees, you couldn't really see them. So I just made up where trees would be. It was just imaginary. Mm-hmm. Um, but with trees, the, my, my, my favorite way to do trees is to rip them instead of cutting them. So you you rip uh, strips of batik uh, or hand dyed cotton so that it's really tight weave so that it's strong, and then you rip the branches, and then you rip sub branches from the branches, mm. and you end up with much more realistic. And, and, and then because this this fabric has been ripped, it's a little flexible, mm-hmm. and then you you as when you fuse it, you press carefully and you make the branches bend. Oh. In all sorts of ways, and then you end as you when you're stitching them at the tip of each one, you end up creating the chip with thread, and the, the fabric basically disintegrates under the needle. If that makes sense, so in the night garden, the 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 tips of the branches because it was winter and it was the leafless tree, um, it, it, it goes from fabric with thread on it, and as you follow it towards the end, all you see is thread. Oh, okay. So. Got it. It' you, you, a bit painstaking. A lot of trim, trimming <laughs> of thread, of fabric to make sure that it looks neat. Um, but but it's very fun. But it's very organic. Whether it's ripping the tree and making it look like a trunk, and then you you fold creases into the trunk so that you create a bark-like texture. Yeah. And misty fuse is repositionable, meaning you can fuse it and then change your mind. Right. That's what I love about it. it, Lift it, and then and and then you crinkle up. And this was one of the shows we did on quilting arts was about creating surface texture. Mm-hmm. And how by wrinkling up the fabric and then fusing it the second and final time, mm-hmm. then you have all of these really cool creases that you can stitch in different ways to mm-hmm. create this craggy old tree trunk mm-hmm. uh, and it that that looks you know well maybe not realistic, but it looks very visually mm-hmm. appealing
1: oh, that's really fascinating. it's interesting. I haven't heard that before either, but it makes perfect sense and the misty fuse is is um. A very lightweight um, backing, so you could do that kind of stuff with it on there, right?
0: hmm And yeah. you can also have, if you have, if it's springtime and you have leaves on the tree and you want them to be waving in the wind, you fuse them and you stitch only part of the leaf. And then you lift up the tips of each leaf carefully with a seam ripper or a sharp tool and then let them flutter.
1: Uh-huh. Nice. And so
0: they stand up from the back of that rack. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, it is really interesting.
1: So cool. Oh, great.
0: Is there anything else
1: um, that you want to talk about with um, with this part of um, you know the um, the quilts, like your applique images and so forth?
0: Oh, we've covered so much. Yeah. I think the most important message for your for your listeners is that everyone's incredibly creative and that they shouldn't be intimidated to try any of these things mm-hmm. because it, it, it's just a matter of picking stuff up and you know and playing with it and i cannot draw with a pencil to save my life literally Literally, when I had to send drawings to Wyndham Fabrics for the pattern I, I designed for them with Janine Bengals uh, Third Fabric Collection, uh-huh. and they were doing the house quilts, and they wanted the outline like of Jackson. Oh. I, 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 or something else, because I, I, either cu- I, I, I cut improvisationally or I stitch. Mm-hmm. So I was tracing things I had cut with scissors so that I could send them a drawing. That's how oh. hopeless I am with a pencil. So you know, Some people are like, oh, I'm not creative, I can't draw. Trust me. <laughs> that does not mean that you cannot create amazing art quilts, because with the photos you can take on our phones these days, yeah, and then these apps, you don't have to. The, the, you, the, the pattern makes itself, right. and then it's just the fun of mm-hmm. well, which color. And then if you use the yeah. mega photo app, you can just have the filter choose which wacky car combination right, right. for you. If you know, if you want some inspiration, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's just, it's all about play and, yeah. you know, and, and no one should be taking it so seriously that they worry, Oh, well, you know, I'm not good at that. So I won't try it. They should right. try it.
1: It's so interesting. And, um, it just reminds me, um, a long time ago this is probably at least seven years ago at one of the quilt shows festivals I took a class and um it was similar to your process where um we fused down um pieces and it was confetti it was confetti collage oh of.
0: Noriko Endo's class so yeah yeah she's it was wonderful a lot
1: of fun and it was a woman it was an artist from I think she's from Ohio from Japan right no no but it's a similar technique, though. Um I forgot her name, a Karen or somebody um but she's she's from the states and she has an art background but so we had kits in this class and she had um heat and bond sticky that we put the confetti you know mm-hmm. and we made our images and at the start of the class there was a lot of us in there and everybody was just like frozen cuz it was like you, <laughs> you had to just you know it was there was a tree but then you had to make up like if are are you going to have bushes in there or is it flowers it, it was like a landscape and shrubbery and you decided how many trees and so forth and then you did the thread painting um, be, they put the toile over the little confetti pieces to keep them in. And then you did the right. quilting and stuff and thread painting. And it was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. And I was kind of like the same way at first. And then she's like, don't think about it. Don't think too hard. You're, you know, don't think you're going to make a mistake. And then once like, you know, you kind of like get over that. I had so much fun mm-hmm. in that class. It once, was right. just- Once you
0: get into it, you know, the, the creative Barbie brain takes right,
1: over. Right, right, right. Yeah. You just really have to release that, that like, you know, your shoulders are up. Like, like when you first learn how to motion, free motion quilt. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> just relax all the tension and just let it. I mean, it's just, that's a great exercise in just even kind of like releasing stress and anxiety. I think like even right now with what we're going through in the world, yes, this would be a great time to try something like this outside of the box.
0: Well, yeah. Do, do those little squares. You know, oh yeah. My, Let's my talk about sp-
1: those. Yeah. I want to talk about you're doing that right now.
0: Um, you're making these little squares almost every day, right? Yeah. I got called off from mask duty a few days. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a few, I'm a few days late. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing masks too. Let me tell you, <laughs> that's all I'm doing right now.
1: <laughs> but, um, you you just have made like these little, it's called daily joy quilt and you just make a single block and, and there's like a single type of an image on there. So let us know about that.
0: Well, the inspiration was we're all cooped up. We're all going slightly nuts and, so, it's about what you know the the little things around the house or around our, in our lives that are making us happy each day. Mm-hmm. You know it started with my my little mocha coffee pot maker mm-hmm. in bright red. So I was like, okay, well also, I'll do a green background. And you know, and then it went to I think the next one, oh, I kind of lost track of which. They're out of order. Um, I think it was the daffodil that was on oh, the table. The daffodil so I was like, okay, beautiful. yellow. So I'll do a blue and mm-hmm. I'll you know, throw in some green leaves and then a cupcake. Um, you know cinnamon toast is on the machine right now <laughs> and, and and for each one I'm, I'm, I'm using Wyndham Fabrics Bedrock which is a commercial cotton not a batik oh, okay. it's kind of a blender it, it's kind of like a dappled there's like white running through it okay um, but I figure at some point I'll join all of these squares and the back of it will be this mosaic of bedrock fabric of all different colors oh cool yeah and the fun thing is that each day, whatever object I'm doing, I do a different background stitch. Oh, okay. So, and so it's a great way if people are starting to do free motion quilting and they're mm-hmm. stressing about, oh my god, I'm going to screw up. It's too hard, or you know, I don't want to ruin my quilt. Mm-hmm. You do something little like this each day, and and if you if you mess up, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, it, but it's it, it's a fun way to try different ones. And so I did a tree. Pe- bark pattern behind a bird's nest, um, behind the butterfly flying, I just did sort of long floaty lines to Mm -hmm. try to give the you know, the impression of flight. So and then others Go ahead.
1: Sorry, Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna ask you if these are finished, like the little blocks are finished little quilts, or are they going to be put together into um like a, a bigger
0: piece? I'm not sure yet. What I did was I just zigzagged them uh, Once with thread that matched whatever I had used to do the background okay. quilting. Yeah. And I will decide whether to link them all together or oh. maybe they'll become sort of a calendar or... Uh, yeah. you know, each one is sort of self-contained but as they're growing on my design wall together uh-huh. it's pretty it's pretty fun to look
1: <laughs> i know yeah yeah you, you and i like you, you you post the pictures of that on instagram and they're they're so cute and it's um it's another good idea and i like that they're you know items of joy so my i would definitely have a coffee pot on mine one of mine too <laughs> coffee is one of my favorite things coffee and tea
0: um hot tea I need to do a wine glass too. <laughs> wine glass, right.
1: You know, <laughs> you know. You know um, I love Barefoot Contessa, Ina Garten, and, and she posted it. This is went viral with everybody, but she made like this um, uh, cosmopol- pitcher of Cosmopolitan mix. And then she's like, and you have to have the right glass. And she brought it out and it was a giant like martini glass. <laughs> And she, the whole picture fit into this glass and then she took like a big sip. It was hilarious. I love it. Yeah. I think she said something like when in crisis mode, make a cocktail. There you go. So we each are all, um, you know, doing what we can to, to, to have some joy in our life with all of this scariness going on Mm -hmm. everywhere. Uh, it helps to keep perspective. It does. It really does. Uh, so uh, I think, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So uh, you you, um, you already told us how we can tap into our creativity, and I think you have like this credo too. I read it, which is really nice. Like that everyone um, is creative; they just have to find their
0: path, right? Yep. Yeah. That's it. And the only way you'll discover it is by playing around and experimenting.
1: Yes. Yeah. And definitely consider we all have play. time to do this now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So let's talk about what you're working on in 2020 before before we go so we can uh, let everybody know where they can find you because you're going to be in several things um, like uh, magazines and, and workshops and so forth.
0: Well, maybe it (laughs) works. Well, uh, the the, the teaching, the teaching is, uh, I know I had several teaching assignments that are now being postponed until Mm -hmm. we know what, you know, exactly when they'll happen again. Yeah. Um, I have an interview in Quilting Art, the current Quilting Arts magazine that's on newsstands about the project that I did with Wyndham Fabrics. Okay. um, Yeah. Which was really, really fun talking about collaboration and, then one of my quilts is featured in the upcoming issue of Art Quilting Studio. Okay, the summer edition. All right, Art Quilting Studio, and I'm really excited that I'm going to have a, a profile in Germany's quilting magazine, Patchwork Professional. Oh, that's so much fun! I haven't
1: I haven't heard of that one or the Art Quilting Studio. Um, I've I've definitely mm-hmm. subscribed to the Quilting Arts before, but that's interesting. Uh, the German one?
0: I'm not sure if there'll be an English translation. <laughs> I know, right? Maybe not. But
1: I, I actually have like one or two German listeners. So they can look for this magazine. Uh, it's coming out sometime, right? And it'll be later. The, the,
0: the, yes, it, it'll be the August edition. Okay, so, so,
1: so German listeners, August edition of Patchwork Professional.
0: Great, and then
1: for the rest of us, Quilting Arts is out now, right? April, May. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It is the it
0: is good in the current issue, and I blog tirelessly about every project that I make, um, including yes, my little blog joy is of the wonderful. square of the day. Yes. So, if anyone has any questions, my email address is on my website. So I'm delighted to, you know, respond to the listeners' questions while we're all here working from our respective nests. Uh huh. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And
1: your, um, the, uh, your, your blog is, uh, what is that? Um, is it, uh, hmm. Okay. Thought so. Neon Kitty Quilts. And I'll have this in, um, on my podcast page. And then, um, she's also on Instagram. Same name, neon kitty quilts, right? Yep got it okay so everybody take a look at that and thank you Lori, so much for coming onto the show and sharing so much stuff with us and um i think that, that this is very inspiring for for all of us and i think that it's um a, such a doable um type of uh mixed media quilting projects that that we can all try it and have fun with it so
0: thank you so much my pleasure thank you so much stephanie for having me on the on the podcast okay well we'll talk to you again soon bye-bye take care
1: thanks for listening to the make and decorate podcast the podcast is produced recorded and edited by stephanie socha until next time have a great day bye